Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Sunday, February 18th, day 135 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Borchel Dan here with our military correspondent, Emmanuel Fabian. Hi, Manny. Hi, Amanda. Good morning. We'll hear updates on the ongoing ground operation in Gaza and where it may be heading next. We'll learn more about the dozens of UNRWA workers who are accused of aiding Hamas in its massacre on October 7th, and what's going on along the northern border. All this and much, much more when we're back. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. For some headlines, Palestinian Authority Prime Minister Mohammed Shtaye said the PA is seeking unity with the Hamas terror group and may hold talks with the group in Moscow on February 26th. The Wall Street Journal reported that the U.S. is looking for ways to bypass legislation hamstringing its ability to send funds to the PA, fearing it is running out of money and could collapse. The United Nations Security Council is likely to vote on Tuesday on an Algerian push for the 15-member body to demand an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war, a move that the United States signaled it would veto. Manny, the world is watching to see if Israel will indeed begin a Rafah ground operation, but it's possible that there are other hotspots that may come first, for example, in central Gaza, where two Hamas battalions apparently still stand. So are you seeing preparations for that? There is indeed uh, two Hamas battalions in central Gaza. There were four, now there is only two. Um, so the remaining two are in the Dir al-Balakh area and Nusayrat. These are two areas more in the southern part of central Gaza. Uh, and the army has not reached them yet. The army uh, essentially dealt with the two um, front battalions that are closest to the Israeli border, which is uh, Burej and Marazi. And there have been plans to, to reach the other two, but they, they seem to have been put on hold for a little bit. There has been operations on the outskirts of these two areas, not deep inside. Um, but uh, yesterday, um, over, the, uh, over the weekend, there was a few significant airstrikes. And on Saturday, there was a, a wave of airstrikes carried out against Hamas uh, command centers uh, in these two areas. And it, it appears to be that the army is gearing up 
to begin uh, ground operations in that area, maybe even before they they operate in Rafah, and probably likely before they operate in Rafah, uh, considering that there isn't um, a large population in these areas of central Gaza, whereas in Rafah there's an issue of more than 1.3 million uh, civilians sheltering there. Uh, so there has been significant airstrikes, and it, it does appear to be that the army's gearing up to tackle these last two battalions that are in central Gaza. They are both believed to be largely functioning. Some of their commanders have been targeted in previous airstrikes, uh, but that was several months ago, and they may have uh, replaced some of those commanders by now, at least. Just to remind our listeners, the assessment at the beginning of the war is that there were 24 battalions, and at this point, there are six left, correct? Right. So there's the two in central Gaza and the additional four in the Rafah area. Generally, each Hamas battalion is believed to have around a thousand fighters, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. So that means there is uh, at least 2,000 or more Hamas uh, fighters that the army needs to, to contend with in central Gaza. And in the Rafah area, there is likely more than 4,000 because many uh, Hamas terrorists from northern Gaza fled to the south uh, at the beginning of the fighting. So there is there is likely more than just 4,000 in southern Gaza, but at least in the central Gaza area, there's only a, a couple thousand. The world's attention is also on an operation where since Thursday, the IDF has been in a hospital in Khan Yunus. Today, the head of the World Health Organization said that Nasser Hospital is no longer functioning due to Israeli operations in and around the southern Gaza city's largest medical center. And the IDF said troops have killed dozens of Hamas operatives across the Gaza Strip over the past day as special forces continue to search this hospital. What else has the IDF revealed of its operations in the hospital? The army has intelligence that hostages were held at Nasser Hospital previously. Uh, This comes from both testimonies of hostages who were released, who were held there, uh, as well as interrogations of Hamas uh, operatives and and other Palestinians who who have also said that hostages were held at Nasser Hospital. Uh, So far, uh, they haven't found any hostages there. They believe to have been already moved from there. There were some indications that perhaps the bodies of some of the slain hostages were being kept there. There is no evidence yet that they've found, uh, but they have found a couple of interesting things. One was medications with the names of hostages on them. The army was investigating uh, what the source of these medications were, but there was a report that these were actually delivered to the hostages or, or tried to at least be delivered to the hostages at the beginning of the war, sort of by a private initiative by some of the families of hostages with a few um, uh, European nations and other uh, international uh, organizations, not through the army or through the regular um, channels. There has also been caches of weapons that the army's found in there. There were mortars, uh, there were some rockets, there were um, grenades um, used by Hamas uh, fighters in the area of the hospital. I believe as of uh, Saturday, around 100 suspects have been detained. Uh, 20 of them have already implicated themselves in the October 7th massacre. So um, we're not talking about just suspects. Some of them are actual Hamas terrorists who participated in, in the onslaught on October 7th. And there has been fighting around the hospital, uh, not in the hospital itself, and there was also a, a case on Friday where the generator in the hospital stopped. 
Hamas accused Israel of of its of its actions, causing the generator to stop. Um, but the army actually went in to try and fix it and bring in a replacement generator and also deliver uh, aid and food and water to the hospital, uh, which this is something which has been coordinated with uh, aid organizations. Uh, in Gaza. So uh, it's a very complex, difficult situation to operate in a hospital without disrupting its activities. As we know, the accusations by the World Health Organization that the hospital is no longer functioning. The army is, at least it says it's trying to make sure that the hospital still continues to run while it searches the uh, premises. As far as we know, there are several hundred patients who are still there, correct? There is indeed several hundred. There were, I think, around 4,000 or perhaps more. Uh, that includes people that were sheltering there, so not just patients. Um, but the army um, opened some sort of uh, humanitarian corridor to allow people to evacuate before it began to search uh, the hospital. Um, so m- most people have indeed left uh, the area. And has any kind of tunnel network been found as well? N- no tunnels have been found in the area of the hospital. Um I'm not sure they know that there is tunnels there. Uh, It's something they'll have to look for. Uh, But definitely weapons were found there. A few months ago, a rocket was fired from the hospital uh, at uh, Israeli troops inside Gaza, not not at Israel. So the area was definitely used by Hamas to fight Israeli troops, and they have found evidence of this. But regarding hostages or any significant Hamas infrastructure, they have not yet found. Let's turn to Rafah now. And our own diplomatic reporter, Lisa Berman, questioned Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu last night about what is being planned for the civilians in the city. Now, we're also hearing that Egypt has reportedly been preparing an area at the Gaza border that could accommodate Palestinians in case an Israeli military offensive into Rafah prompts an exodus across the frontier. And sources are describing this as a contingency move. So what are we hearing about the plan A so far, Manny? The plan A is is not to evacuate Palestinians to Egypt. Uh, Defense Minister Gallant said this in a press briefing on Friday. uh, And he said that Israel will not be sending Palestinian civilians to Egypt. That's not part of the plan. Um, But the actual plans are a little bit unclear as to where they will be evacuated to. We know that for the army to operate there, they will need to move the the population out the way. It'll just make things more difficult for the army otherwise. Um, So there are, at least Netanyahu said that there is is place, there's 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 enough area for the civilians to go to in the southern Gaza area. There have been reports that Israel would help set up um, sort of uh, tent camps along the coast of Gaza. Initially, there was some plans to send them back to Khan Yunus, but uh, the area is very difficult to live in because all the buildings are essentially destroyed there. Um, so it'll be very difficult for, for anyth- any infrastructure to work there. So tent camps along the coast, uh, sort of where the current humanitarian zone is in, in Al-Mawasi, they may expand that zone further to accommodate the remaining Palestinian population. But it does remain a little bit unclear as to where they will send them. But Egypt is is really out of the question, at least on the Israeli side. The Egyptians seem to be preparing for it anyway, but it really remains to be seen. I don't think Israel wants to give away too much of its plans against Rafah and when it will carry when it will carry it out or how, and that's why it's being a little bit um, secretive as to what exactly will happen. But uh, regardless, the the population will move out the way before they launch the offensive. There, there is. Uh, no way that the army will operate with 1.3 plus million Palestinians there. We'll go to a short break. Hey. 
I got married this Monday in the middle of a war. You are not a soldier anymore. You are 50 years old. What is the matter with you? It's like a couple of kilometers from here. Like my friend has a 4 by 4 Let's just go cut across the fields and go get him. Israel Stories, Wartime Diaries. Voices that try to capture slivers of life right now. And he told me, take with you a sleeping bag and a tent <laughs> and just go. I texted him on, like after I was told that he was killed. From their eyes, I was a traitor. Everybody needs their like blankie, their teddy bear, something to make them feel safe. I'm just another grandfather looking after his grandchild while his son is off at war. These children of Hamas now will be the killer of my children. I desperately wanted to talk about sex during my eulogy for Ido. Everyone has to choose to be optimistic because we don't have room for pessimism. Check out Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. On Friday, Defense Minister Yoav Gallant publicly revealed the identities of 12 UNRWA staff members who Israel says, quote, actively participated in the Hamas-led October 7th onslaught on southern Israel. We're also hearing that some 30 more were involved. So what do you know about this, Manny? So uh, on Friday, Gallant showed 12 of the UNRWA workers that have already been accused of actively participating in the October 7th massacre, the the names and their details and it was all re- sent in a dossier to um, the United States and other international uh, uh, allies. Uh, but now these are they are being public re- publicly revealed. And additionally, Gallant saying that thirty more, but he didn't reveal the names of them, um, uh, w- w- facilitated in the attacks. So these are people who were involved in uh, maybe receiving hostages or transferring weapons or even entering Israel to loot uh, from Israeli communities. Um, We've seen reports that some hostages were held at the homes of UNRWA employees. So those are, I think, are among the 30, whereas the 12 are the ones who were in Israeli territory on October 7th and involved in in, in killing um, Israelis and abducting them. We know that one of them, um, there's a, there's actually a video from Be'eri and it shows uh, this UNRWA employee who's a social worker and the video shows uh, him and another man, presumably another Hamas operative, abducting a body of an Israeli and putting it in the back of their vehicle and, and taking it to Gaza. Another interesting thing that, that Gallant uh, said uh, is that around 12% of UNRWA's 13,000 employees are affiliated with Hamas and Islamic Jihad. So he said that in total, 1,468 workers are not not just tied to, but are active in Hamas and Islamic Jihad. And 185 are active in Hamas's military wing and 51 more are active in the uh, Islamic Jihad's military wing. So there are a good uh, 200 plus UNRWA employees who are at the same time also Hamas terrorists. And the others are active politically in support of Hamas. What does it mean? I think some of them are either affiliated or uh, or somehow active and maybe um, were involved in some military training at some point or are involved in other aspects of Hamas. Uh, it, he didn't exactly say, but um, at least 185 are, are active Hamas terrorists and 51 more in Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And there are a few hundred more who, are, who have 
uh, ties to uh, and are very affiliated with uh, the two terror groups. Of the 13,000-odd workers of in Gaza from UNRWA, most of them are teachers. You mentioned one of these 12 is a social worker. What are the profiles of some of the others? Uh, the others we, we have a list of, and um, one of them's a math teacher, uh, one of them's a school counselor, there's uh, an Arabic teacher, an elementary school teacher. Many of them are, are indeed uh, social workers. Some of them worked in other positions in UNRWA. But um, UNRWA does employ quite a lot of, of, of Palestinians in Gaza, and, and many of them do work in the education side of things in Gaza. Let's turn to the north. Lebanon's official national news agency reported that the southern town of Beit Leif is undergoing Israeli artillery shelling, and the IDF has said that it carried out airstrikes against Hezbollah positions in South Lebanon's village of Yarun this morning. Is this the same incident, Manny? I don't think it's the same incident, but the army did say it carried out some artillery shelling in other towns in uh, Alma Shab and uh, Dahariya. Um, and it said it was uh, shelling areas to remove threats. So this may have not been reported by the army yet, but the generally the army carries out artillery shelling when it spots Hezbollah operatives preparing to carry out attacks. Uh, it will shell the areas with artillery to basically prevent them from uh, launching missiles or rockets at, at Israeli communities or army positions uh, on the border. And this is, as we've spoken about before on the podcast, been ongoing for uh, since October 8th, so since one day after the war began. Um, there's been constant back and forth a fire on the Lebanon border with Hezbollah carrying out these attacks and the army trying to prevent them as much as possible and, and in retaliation also targeting uh, many of Hezbollah's positions uh, in South Lebanon. Last week, of course, there was a deadly incident in which rockets from Lebanon were fired at a, a huge base, apparently, in Safed, in Tzfat, in northern Israel. Have you seen any change in the IDF's stance since this incident? That rocket attack was very serious. Um, but it's important to note that uh, the strike that, that hit the IDF's northern command base, uh, killing a soldier, um, Staff Sergeant uh, Omer Banjo, does appear to be mostly uh, luck on the side f uh, from Lebanon. They fired a barrage, uh, believed to be Hezbollah, although they did not confirm this officially, they didn't take responsibility. They fired a barrage of 11 rockets. Um, one of them hit the, the army base, and the other one hit um, just outside Ziv Hospital, which is uh, completely on the other side of the city. It's not remotely close to the base. The army is investigating why these two rockets were not intercepted. They both hit uh, populated areas. Uh, and we're also checking whether or not uh, there was enough time from the moment uh, when the siren sounded for people to actually seek shelter. We know that uh, the soldier and a number of other soldiers with her that were that were wounded in in this rocket strike were actually running to a bomb shelter when when the rocket hit. So there is an army investigation. If there was enough time to actually reach shelter, they'll have to evaluate this. In response, the IDF carried out quite significant strikes uh, in Lebanon, more than just the usual um, Hezbollah positions close to the border but targeted areas much deeper inside Lebanon, um, you know, 30, 40 kilometers away from the border, but not, you know, not Beirut yet, um, but slightly more uh, deeper inside Lebanon. We know that one of these strikes killed a relatively senior 
um, Hezbollah commander along with his deputy. Um, we're talking about uh, Ali Muhammad al-Debs. And the army actually identified him as being responsible or being one of the masterminds behind the bombing attack at the Megiddo Junction in March last year. If if, uh, if anyone remembers that, that felt like a, a long time ago now. But uh, that bombing at a junction in northern Israel where a, a terrorist infiltrated Israel and planted a bomb. So this uh, Hezbollah commander was actually... Uh, one of those who was um, behind the attack. Manny, thank you so much for all of your updates. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Please check out another installment tomorrow. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, please drop us an email at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom. Shalom.